Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Bam. There it is. Just hit a button, and magically, we're off to the races. We're going. We launched this thing. Uh, man, everyone, thank you so much for joining me. I'm like stoked to introduce our guest today. Super excited about this one. And um, what to say? What, so many things to say. Marketing automation strategist, entrepreneur, thought leader, writer, fellow Salesforce Ohana member. Ohana means family. What does family mean? Lilo and Stitch. That means never leaving anyone behind. Um, so fellow ecosystem uh, traveler in the Salesforce world. Um, Salesforce certified product consultant, marketing cloud consultant, all the things, all the things. Founder and consultant at Mar Cloud Consulting. Tom Ryan, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you. Very, very kind introduction. Yeah, well, the, you're a busy guy. Yeah, I, yeah, I keep myself busy. Yeah, right. So this, we're going to talk about marketing automation. We're going to talk about tech. We're going to talk about marketing, tea, running, maybe some football. Who knows? Um, so let me pass you something real quick. It's kind of heavy but I'm sure you can handle it. Ugh. Okay, here we go. Oh, really? Thor's hammer. Go ahead, take that. You got the Time hammer. to smash it. All right, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Okay, take Thor's hammer. Smash for me some kind of myth, bogus strategy, misconception. Just set the record straight once and for all. So I'm going to do it in true marketing automation fashion with a logical close test. Ooh. And the close test is just because you can blank doesn't mean you should. So... What I'm going to say is a couple of examples. Just because you can create duplicates in Salesforce, it doesn't mean you should. Just because you can email your entire database, it doesn't mean you should. Uh, just because you can use Salesforce Classic, it doesn't mean you should. There's so many examples. I want to give that uh, sort of little bit of advice to, to just sense check anything you're about to do uh, and just think about whether you should be doing it rather than thinking about if you, if you just can do it, um, because the technology is pretty open uh, and advanced, and that it's kind of, you know, you can do what you want with these systems. Mm -hmm. And uh, I see organizations do things slightly incorrect. And one of the best um, sort of lines I got from a client, which I've taken, uh, really good, really good analogy, which is the tail wagging the dog. And that happens in most organizations whereby a sales team would be dictating the sort of trajectory of the organization. Um, whereas it should be sort of operations led, you know, you should be telling sales, right, this is how you, how you do things. This is for the best efficiency. This is for the best reporting. Um, not the other way around because it can cause problems. So, uh, man, what an image, right? The idea of it. And I think I've heard that phrase before, but never really connected to the fact that like, how ridiculous would that be to have the tail hanging out and then it's like wagging this dog back and forth. Like, but that's what companies are doing. That's what organizations are doing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's mostly because of a, you know, a misunderstanding of, of the systems, it's, it's expertise in the wrong place. And it's also an emphasis on the wrong uh, metrics. So for example, we see quite often in organizations lead conversion being a key metric, which is good, which is good until you run out of database you know, my my um, sort of view on it is everything you do needs to be scalable. You know, if you're going to mm -hmm. grow with, with the unmarked automation and, and the platform, the CRM, and any other systems, you need to have a strategy in place because 
eventually, you know, if you keep growing, you keep growing, eventually there's only so many people on the planet. There's only so many people who are going to be interested in your niche um, or your product or your service. So what happens when you do reach the limit? What happens if you've got everyone in your database? Lead conversion isn't really possible anymore unless you use duplicates. And if you use duplicates, you can't get really in-depth reporting. So you, there's a trade-off there. You can keep things as they are, sure, no problem, but you have to compromise on some of the reporting. So trying to get everyone on this uh, mindset or to change their mindset um, to be, right, lead conversion's good, that's a good metric, but so is upsell. Think about your current yeah. customer base, think about contacts in Salesforce, think about um, retention, think about brand evangelism. You know, it doesn't stop at the sale. Your marketing can continue and then you can, you know, create a, a brand through right. people loving you. Right, yeah. Duplicates, interesting. I've never heard this point brought up before, but it's so true. If you get so obsessed with new leads and you have a somewhat limited market, I mean, unless you're selling shampoo to humans, like at some point you're going to run out of you know, valid targets um, or just it, it'll get harder and harder if, if it's, an, it's a small known universe and that that could easily drive you into, well, you know what, let's just make duplicates, which is like the worst thing you can do. But how many times do people just chase the dog, right? With their tail and they're, and they're, are you, are you serious? You want, I, I once, I wonder if you've encountered this. I once bumped into a company that um, they, every time someone sneezed, that's kind of like every time someone like did anything on marketing automation, they wanted to automatically make a new lead of that same exact person that was already in there over on the Salesforce side. Yeah. And it's like, seriously, all they did was like their score went up by one, you know, which can be like they viewed one website or they clicked yeah. one link and now it's a new lead. And that's, and again, the, the tail was dictating that. And so because of that, they had 12 people in there. And of course, Pardot at the time, rightfully so, was like, no, like the technology was like, no, there should be one person here. That's the most important way to do it. But they're like, let's break it. So they actually tried to make um, a custom connector between the two. And for a time, they had a human. Um, I met her. What was her name? Like Beth or something. She was like the one. She was the human connector between Pardot and Salesforce because it was so like crazy that, that they couldn't automate it. But eventually, they tried to like do this API thing. All this work when they could have been, to your point, you know, upselling or cross-selling or making a better customer experience. And they were yeah. all about the metrics. It's like these months, like I was in there for several and they even hired us to project manage another agency who's building it. And like all this crazy stuff was happening all around this metric that you're talking about where it's like, guys, what are we doing? Yeah. And, and the way I view it is it's quite simple. Pardot's your filter. Mm -hmm. Data goes into Pardot first. And hence why that's where we keep the source campaign. That's where we keep all the UTM tracking. We, we have all of that source information. You keep them in Pardot. As soon as they're ready, they hit a scoring and grading threshold. They're a marketing qualified lead. So naturally, you assign them to user. They push into Salesforce. That's an MQL. Yeah, that's, that's you passing the baton of responsibility as a marketer right. over to sales. Right, sales. Now, it's your job, and we can support you to create the opportunity. Now start trying to generate revenue. When sales discover an opportunity, that's when you convert them into a, a contact. That's the lead conversion part. And then you create an opportunity. That's an SQL. And then there's right. your definitions, MQL, SQL. It's, it's about, about responsibility 
um, and you can still support each other. And obviously there's loads of complexities in big organizations and that kind of thing, but in its simple, um, simple form, that's what you're doing. Passing over responsibility, you go, and then, and then it feeds back. Um, Now I will say, I've heard some people challenge that. I like hmm. what you're saying, but I've heard some people say, well, what if sales goes and finds this person too, and they create them in Salesforce and then, and they don't have, they have no idea that marketing is working them too. And they're just not ready yet. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, it is a valid point. Um, but marketing and sales need to be aligned. They, yeah. you, need, you need to have that synchronization in the system. So marketing are aware that that lead is now in Salesforce being worked by sales. So sales, you know, I've got friends in sales and a lot of the time they get annoyed if marketing just send out emails to someone who they're you know, speaking to. Right. But this is a perfect use case. It's, it's automation. You can simply just check a box to say, please don't email this, this person. Mm-hmm. Marketing now know not to touch that person. And that's all you need to do. It's a simple bit of communication. But a lot of the time there isn't that. Um, there isn't enough in the system to facilitate that communication. And that's the problem. Um, not so much, you know, the behavior because everyone's being proactive. You know, everyone wants the same thing, which is to generate more revenue, uh, the company to do better uh, and for all of your reports to look amazing. Um, and sidestepping from that, you know, a different point is yeah. when, you, when you do have all of the data in both systems, that's, that's a big problem because then you've got um, a bunch of leads and a bunch of contacts in, in Salesforce you can't clearly distinguish who are the good ones, who are the bad ones. And hence, going back to the point of Pardot being the filter, I mean, that's, that's why it's the filter, is that sales can only focus on leads and contacts who are probably going to either buy again or they've already bought and they, they want to engage with them in a different way. Yeah, focus is so important. I mean, yeah. I, I love that you brought that up. It's the idea of helping sales focus. And that's what they're trying to do. Just, okay, we're... Who's the best lead? Because I think in their, in their minds, um, it's like, okay, I only have a limited number of hours in a day. Who do I reach out to who's most likely to buy so that I can bring some money home to my family, right? So they're like constantly doing this calculation. And so if we can help them focus, great. But we become their worst enemy, the opposite, like you're talking about, where if you're not helping them focus, you're just sending them a bunch of leads because they asked for it, but you're sending them a, a bunch of stuff. They don't know what's good or bad. And then the worst ones become our reputation. Yeah, yeah, you've, you've, you've got a, a small window of opportunity to get them on board. Um, and I spoke to someone the other day who said about um, the leads that they get from, you know, from themselves, from the sales team, they've got like a 95% close rate, which is really good. Wow. The leads from Pardot, they've got a 5% close rate. What? And it was re- it really skewed. So the, the reason for that is because they're, they're pushing them in too early and everything's mm-hmm. going across. I was like, no, use it as a filter. And then that, that percentage will eventually go up. Right. I hope um, you sorted them out because like, wow, what a terrible <laughs> reputation. Because then it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Mm. Oh, it's 5%. Well, I'm not going to waste my time on that. And then all the good ones that come in, you miss those too. Yep. And then I'm sure you've heard this before. It's, uh, oh, Pardot isn't very good. It's, it's like, no, it's not set up properly. That's what it right. is. That's all it is. Oh, man, what is that? What is that when people say that? It's crazy it's, talk. I, I mean, I get it. I get it. It can be frustrating if, if you don't know what you do it's such a powerful tool if you don't know where to start um and this is why we not to plug but we this is why we do free part of reviews this gets you in the right place gives you a snapshot and then and then off you go you've got at least somewhat of a direction to go um and a priority and a focus on your first marketing objective because 
you can't just want the world straight away. You have to focus on what's your core product or service right. and campaigns that you're focusing on to begin with, and then build from there, work on um, the successes of that campaign, do some learning, um, and then it's a feedback loop. So mm. the way we kind of structure our projects is you know, implementation, and then we do it in three phases. So the first phase is insights. Can you see what's going on? Can you segment mm. clearly? Can you um, see how people are engaging with your content and campaigns and so on? Then you move on to phase two, which is the marketing. So you've got your engagement studios, you've got all your automated email programs. Sure. Phase three is the reporting. And then those two work hand in hand. So then there's a feedback loop from phase three. So you can then optimize phase two, do more marketing, look at the reports. Then you're making data-driven decisions. And that's what everybody wants. Right. Data driven, not just like gut feel or, yeah. you know, it's, it's so crazy. The, um, the distractions, I mean, I love that you have a order to the chaos because mm. otherwise there's so many distractions and the distractions go back to your very original point, which is just because you can't, doesn't mean you should. There's a lot of features in Pardot, any marketing automation platform you have, there's a ton of features. They do that to either compete or just to make your life easier or the edge cases that need to be taken care of. And you know, one time I saw a consultant, it wasn't you, that's why we're hanging out. I couldn't hang out with a person that said this, but it was like, here's the you know, top 10 most unused features in Pardot that you should use today. And it's like, why? <laughs> <They're>, yes. <laughs> just because they're unused, is, this is your point. Just because they're, they're there yeah. doesn't mean you should use them. And just because they're unused doesn't mean you should use them. You maybe shouldn't use them. Maybe... Maybe you should, or maybe you should, but that, that's not the way to start, right? That's like the tale. Yeah, it's, and it's all about context. There's, a, there's an amazing book by um, Matthew Sweezy. He works for Salesforce. Yeah. Uh, his book, The Context Marketing Revolution, is amazing. And it's just, just read that and you'll be up to speed with, with marketing today. And it's, it's such a good book. Um, and it kind of you know, destroys that blog, really. It's, they, that, that used to be like 10 years ago, you know, top 10 things you're not using right now. It's like, okay, amazing. I'm going to turn this on and turn this on. And then, okay, I've turned it on. Now what? Now what? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Matt's a cool guy, man. That book is, that book is um, mm. pretty, pretty, pretty sweet. I don't want him to like keep churning them out like one a year. Just keep, keep yeah. it coming um, while, while he's over there in Salesforce Tower, looking out over, <laughs> looking out over the lands. Sort of, he's a busy all guy. The, all, the, all the kingdoms. Um, yeah, busy guy. Man, um, what kind of things? Because you, you mentioned the duplicates. Um, maybe we even just bring that up. Like, Pardot allows for duplicates now. Like what yeah. even happened? Why? It's really funny. There's a, there's a website, ded I can't remember the name of it, but there's a website dedicated to Ampsia, which is the name of the feature. What does and that stand for? Because it's kind of a funny inside joke. Allow right? multiple prospects of the same email address. AKA, AKA terrible idea. <laughs> it's good in some cases. So really? It, okay. I yeah. need to hear this because I, I'm just, I'm pretty biased against it, but yeah, I want to know where, where it does work out well. So we've worked with a couple of charities before, one of which deal with schools. So in schools, you don't really have a personal email address, so at least in the UK, um, you'd have head teacher at, and the name of the school. And the large majority of emails will be like that. Same as the role-based emails, it'd be admin at sales at that kind of like mm. um, format. And in that case, it does work because there might be sort of eight teachers using the same email address right. um, and it does happen, but that's not necessarily um, common. So I understand the, the frustration with the feature. Mm -hmm. um, in some cases, you know, you might intentionally create a duplicate, um, 
for you know tracking different things um, like devices and um, you know it's it's very hard to pull examples out of out of the air because it, it is a tricky feature. Um, I would say like most of the time it's probably not the thing to be using. Yeah, I mean when it came out, um, it was pretty. It's questionable whether people should have turned it on. Um, See, I thought it came from the the com- competition with Marketo. Like Marketo, by default, you you could have duplicates, and so what ended up happening is people would come from Marketo to Pardot, and then it was like they were forced to clean up things. And mm-hmm. I loved it. I know it was a little bit of friction point in the sales process, but wouldn't you like to spring clean your thing so you don't just like bring whatever craziness you were doing in Marketo over to Pardot? Yeah, but maybe there was enough people out there like, wow, I don't want to clean. I just want to shift programs, which is a terrible idea. And then they're like, well, to be competitive, we should allow this. Who knows what went on? But I was, I was always like, oh, you Marketo people out there. I don't know. Again, it's the tail wagging the dog. Um, yeah. So it's, 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 it's tricky because it, it sort of falls into sort of data, well, it is data relationship modeling. Ideally, in, in an ideal world, you want a one-to-one relationship one person in part yeah. one person in Salesforce. But I think it does accommodate for when you do create a new lead. So if you, if a salesperson was to go to an event, they meet someone, they input them into Salesforce, it then syncs back. Yeah. It's then down to the duplication rules in, you know, both systems to then find these people, right. merge them if needed. Um, and that can, that can be quite useful. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, it, you know, you don't necessarily want to write off anything too quickly. Um, mm. But I, th- I think in the end, as long as you don't have a duplicate, that's the important part. As long as at the end of the day, like after things get sorted out, you see that single view of the customer. I think that's the goal. Right? To your earlier point, what's the goal we're trying to get to? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, Salesforce's vision is to have one view of the customer. And that's right. exactly what you want. If you, if you right. were to, um, I don't know where your hat is. Where's your hat from? My hat? Yeah, um, lucky. It's the uh, Black Clover brand. I like it. So lucky imagine hat, you, yeah. you buy a hat from Black Clover um, today, and then next week you go back and you buy another hat. That shouldn't be two leads or two right. convert. That shouldn't be two converted leads. It should be you. You are the lead, or you are the contact, and then there are opportunities off of you. The data right. relationship model there is one to many. You are Casey Cheshire. You can have multiple purchases. Therefore, that's the data relationship model. Um, exactly the same in almost all other contexts. You are one person. There are never more than one Casey Cheshire, you. Um, someone else might have the same name, but they can have a different email address. They can have a different location, that kind of thing. So it, it's, it sounds like I'm sort of dumbing it down and, and you know, saying this as if it's you know, not, not obvious. Right. That makes sense. But, but it, you have to word it in this way to try and get the point across that, right, one person is one lead or one contact yeah. under an account. And it's structured in that way for a reason because it works. Right, right. You know, one time I was uh, working with someone and it was like healthcare and they kept buying companies. And every time they bought, um, this was like a different than the other one, but they, every time they bought a company and had their own sales team and then they had a sales team for each product, these like million dollar medical products. And so what you end up having is like a company made of five companies and with maybe like 12 sales teams scattered across all these products, each sales team wanted a lead to work off of, you know? And it's like, uh, okay. But what happened, which sort of brought us all into conversation was they had sold someone some equipment for like a million dollars. And the next day, mm-hmm. the person got the customer 
now got cold called by two SDR reps treating them like they've never heard of this company before. Like, Hey, have you heard of us? We're like the best. And the guy's like twice now, I just spent a million dollars with you guys yesterday and you're treating me like a cold call. You're like spamming me instead of sending me a bottle of wine. Like yeah. what is going on? And they're like, that's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. Yeah, I, I think that's quite common. That guy, you know? I think that that's probably quite common, you know, because uh, yeah. it was last year, a recruiter reached out to me and said, we've got this amazing opportunity. Um, there's a well-known, I can't say who it is. There's a well-known group in, in the UK. They've got 12 companies, um, all with different CRMs. We need one person. We need you to come in and consolidate them all. Wow. I was thinking, who's going to take that job? That's, uh, firstly, <laughs> no one wants that pressure. And two, that's, a, that's more than one person job. That's, uh, yeah, oh, oh, and their budget's five, five thousand pounds <laughs> 500 pounds <laughs> 500 pounds yeah yeah can you do this on the weekend <laughs> yeah it's, it's mad and Jeez. you touched on a good point earlier about the um it's only so many hours in a salesperson's day um yeah. i like that because it's 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 a different perspective from marketing because mm. you know if we've got a campaign that needs to go out tomorrow you know we can work till 12 that's fine you know that's that's okay we, we'll, right. we'll put the hours in but if a salesperson They've got a finite window. You know, they need to be as efficient as possible within that time frame because if they, if they call at seven in the evening, the person's not going to be in. So no wonder they're so sort of focused on um, having a clean system and, and clean processes. And you know, they haven't got time for all of this. Yeah. You know, you know what, what I, they when, see as nonsense. When I had said that, I wasn't even thinking about the actual hours of the day. You, I mean, I was just thinking generically hours a day like everyone has but you're right they have even less because you can't mm. you can't do that you can't call someone in the middle of the night man that's well, a really you could, that's you could. smaller window right <laughs> you wouldn't be very happy <laughs> yeah. yeah hey cheers hey how you doing uh what what <laughs> out of my life somebody should try that <laughs> oh, no i'm not it's not, it's not i don't recommend it though so don't say that you heard it here <laughs> no 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 I, I actually uh had a cold calling job years ago did you and uh oh god i, I quit shortly into it um i, I stupidly thought it was a, an it account manager they role. tricked you <laughs> it, they kind of did because the first month or two was training on you know it equipment learning about the ins and outs of hardware and they go right you're an account manager perfect so i'm gonna get inbound calls i'm gonna talk to customers it's gonna be all nice and relaxed no 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 you've got to bring your own customers in you need to cold call I was like, brilliant. I'm not, very, not going to be very good at this. <laughs> Jeez. And, and she just had like a little, little dialer and then you're just like, hi. Yeah. yeah, they used to listen in on my calls. And you said, oh. Do you remember your opening, opening line? No, I don't. It was very scripted. And oh, I, so I, they told you what you had to say. They printed out a script and they That's said, right, worked. say this. Yeah, say this and say it with, uh, with passion. So you, these are your words. Right. Yeah. I sound weird saying them. I sound oh. weird to me saying them. It was unnatural. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's rough. How long do you survive that? I think, well, the training was a month and I think I was there a month and a half, two months. That's <laughs> then, I got in, like then I got into marketing. Found it. It's like they wasted all that training just to find out that like, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm good. Mm. Same thing happened to me. I, I applied for a job way, way long time ago where it was like, like a retail store. Like they're going to be security, which sounded cool, but really it's not. You're just looking at the camera and like, oh, cool. I can like, I can like tackle criminals who are trying to steal stuff. Like this sounds great. And then after a little bit of training, like, okay, cool. So we'll see you on Thanksgiving, Christmas, Easter, 
and new year i'm like wait what <laughs> like yeah yeah you're the new guy so you're gonna come in okay never mind i'm, I'm all good um yeah it's, a, it's that sort of like bait and switch there but um yeah you're right limited window for sales limited time the only yeah lunchtime there's so, so much hours of the day interesting yeah. yeah and we can streamline everything so you know with with automation yeah, you know, this never used to exist. It used to be all on Excel spreadsheets, and you'd work through the list, and you'd have no idea, um, you know, who, who the hot leads were. And actually, in in a marketing agency I used to work at, what we used to do was uh, send out an email campaign. So we'd send out the first email, uh, cold data. It was um, just one one email to begin with, lead gen. Mm-hmm. Then we'd follow up a week later with a plain text written follow up. Um, and what we'd do is we'd send the opens and the clicks over to our sister company, uh, which was um, a telecoms um, cold calling company. So the hottest leads are the ones who clicked, call them first, then do the opens. And that's the old way of, of, of marketing. Um, now we've got all of these scores, these grades, and yeah. we can prioritize in all these different kind of ways. We can see if someone's been on the website, what they've looked at. We can see scoring categories and break it down like, oh, you're probably interested in this. Um, based on the content that they consume, we can see at what stage of the, uh, the customer journey they're in. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're looking at top level blogs, they're probably in you know, the intro phase. Right. If they're looking at pricing, you know, call them now. Right. Um, if we're getting all this information, all we need to do is refine it and just send it to the right places. And some companies could just thrive off of this, um, but it's just not always set up in the right way. What do you think holds people back from setting it up? Uh, first one would probably be budget. Second one would probably be, um, just general change management mm. because it is a little bit daunting. If you're, if you're in, you know, a senior exec and then someone comes to you and say, look, we want to change all of the processes to do with marketing and sales. It's Sounds a bit risky. Daunting. Yeah. It is, it is risky. It's, it's, it's their jobs on the line really. Cause if it goes wrong, that's, that's horrendous. So yeah, it, it's, it's a slow transition over time. You start to sort of highlight, okay, this is broken, mm-hmm. this is broken. We're not getting any benefit from this data here. Um, start to sort of plant the seed. And eventually, when everyone's on board with the same vision, it's really easy. When everyone's on board, it's, it's straightforward. Wow. Then, you, you know, when there's some resistance, especially from sales, who are just like, you know, marketing are just the coloring in club, as they're called. Mm. Um, you know, they're just doing fancy emails and going to events and they're not sending me anything good. Whenever they do send me something, I just put it to the bottom of the pile and I sort my own, sort my own leads out. Um, you know, it takes a while to get them on board, but when they do, and then you get those, um, kind of proponents for what you're doing, mm-hmm. you sort of cling on to them because they're the ones that yeah. change everyone else around them. So, um, yeah, it's about identifying the right people and then bringing everyone up with you. Yeah. Do you, do you remember when you first got marketing automation just as like when you first saw it? Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was Back the, first, in the time day. I, first time I went client side. Um, I just got given free reign and I'm sure this happens in other organizations as well. So yeah. um, got hired into this new job from a marketing agency background, um, went in and my boss was really cool. And uh, he was like, right, you've got part up. So I was like, okay, brilliant. So, right, we're doing this. Go. So I had to come up with a whole plan, map out the strategy, and I had to work it all out myself. But I just took to it because obviously my background in yeah. marketing and uni and all that sort of stuff, I just kind of got it. Um, 
and it was obviously learns along the way but sure um yeah it just kind of worked and having that admin access where i can just do what i want and set things up and we set on start these really nice journeys um for a fintech company mm. they had three core customer groups you had your borrowers your introducers um and your who was the other one? Oh, the investors the most important ones um, yeah, right. <laughs> so we had those three groups and we had like uh, engagement studios uh, set up for each of them we had yep. the content stages and a content hierarchy we had campaigns we set up we had you know if you downloaded this this would happen would notify um sales and it was going to be amazing we mapped it out we built it just as about to turn it on company gets bought uh, then we have to move off somewhere else. Jeez. Um, but at that point, me and my boss just sort of joked around and said, yeah, we'll set up a Pardot consultancy. Yeah. Um, but that's how my first one was was born. Through a, Smart. Through just using, realizing like, hey, this is powerful stuff. Mm. Um, and it, it, it's cool to have that freedom, you know? To ha- I mean, same here. Like, first one was like just like a small company where they're like this, yeah, buy this thing and whatever. Don't. <laughs> don't care i guess don't don't imagine marketing can do anything so surprise me and you're just like wow i we actually can get way more done you know with the automation and i don't need a team of like nine thousand. i can just do it with me and some automation yeah and so salesforce are smart as well because they're they're selling part on as kind of like an extra yeah and i've spoken to some clients before and they're like you know we got part as part of the package and you know we don't use it it's just it was just added on so then we can go in and go actually they've given you an amazing tool there wow that's a gift yeah yeah Yeah, and they don't realize it they're sitting on gold um it's it's incredible amazing to to like find out that they have it i I think i've heard of that a couple times where it's just like what you we have some tool (laughs) yeah they chucked it into the negotiation uh and in this case it's like uh hello you know you have here like this is impressive this is amazing It's my uh, favorite point, they have to know how, where to go with it and you know work with someone like you to be able to sort them out yeah and yeah and, and you'd be surprised how quickly you, know, you can make progress you know, especially in a blank account give mm-hmm. it a month you, it's just unrecognizable it's Jeez. uh you can move quick yeah yeah sick um where do you see this all going i you know like the platforms are getting closer mm-hmm. marketing automation has been out for many years now there's more tech on the way anything caught your eye you're kind of excited about investigating further yeah it's all it's all eventually going to be merged into one platform it's mm. all going to be salesforce will eventually i don't know how many years it will take but they're eventually going to be one tool one salesforce logon which is actually going to happen at the end of the year i think yeah um safe harbor um, <laughs> <laughs> um where yeah, now do we have to salesforce. say safe harbor or just they have to say safe i don't know i do it you just ever in wonder case. about that yeah i do it just in case just yeah. in case, I don't <laughs> responsible. Buys it based on your recommendation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Tom said it, so he doesn't work for us. <laughs> on this podcast, we get like subpoenas to go to court. We're like, yeah. what happened? Well, you didn't say safe harbor, so just, just trusted this random English guy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's going to all merge into one platform. Um, yeah, hopefully, it gets to a point where you can just add on bits. You know, where you don't have to necessarily always go for a sales team if you're a smaller company. Sure. You can just very quickly add on dynamic content, add on custom user roles, add on these key features because sometimes I'll be speaking to sort of smaller clients mm-hmm. and we'll be working on things and I have to then go, okay, right, we need to speak to your AE to get this added on and get this upgraded and this kind of thing. Whereas really, we just want to be able to just add it onto the license and do it that way. Right. Um, for bigger orgs, fair enough. You know, go for a sales team, it's, it's important. But um, 
everything on one platform. It's going to be one view of the customer, whether you've got Pardot, Marketing Cloud, Service Cloud, doesn't matter. It's all going to be in one place where um, everyone sees exactly what they need to see. And what I hope is that they optimize the whole um, customer journey. So if someone mm. goes through into becoming a customer, all of their service cloud, all of their service tickets and responses are shown whenever a salesperson needs to upsell or needs to yeah. you know, put them into a new journey in Pardot. It's all kind of visible across one place. That would be right. ideal. It's just getting that yeah. way. I really wanted to not get lost in there when they combine it, but it, uh, if, it, if it can make that customer journey smoother, like you're talking about, then like, that's perfect. If, if it can smooth all that out, as long as it doesn't get lost and you're like, now it's a feature that doesn't have a name. And you're like, what is this add-on? And then people have this stuff they don't even know to use, you know? Yeah. And, and that's, we haven't even talked about um, B2B marketing analytics. You know, the Einstein AI side of yeah. things, and they've, just, they've just released um, B2B MA premium or plus B2B MA plus, I think it's called. Yeah. It's one of them. It's one of them anyway, where they're going to use AI to recognize opportunities and attribute revenue back to multiple touch, uh, multiple touch points across the customer journey. So those connected campaigns um, will actually all have revenue against them through AI, because we know that salespeople do not add contact roles onto opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> Not unless they're forcing them to. You're right. They don't. They'll find a way. <laughs> you know, AI is probably the only thing they can figure out multi-touch in any sort of logical reason or fashion because there's so many touches. And I remember talking the other day with someone about how, like, you know, they could have an, an epic VIP dinner where they spent, you know, all day with a rep. And then the next day, marketing sends a follow-up email. And then that email is the last touch and gets all the credit. Like, mm. what? That, that wasn't it. And so it's so gray area in there that be great to get it cleared up yeah yeah and hopefully ai is the way that's an, you know that's going to be the way forward ai it's all yeah. techie yeah but then then what do we do i guess we just go on vacation well the, what i was thinking about this other day actually and <laughs> i i was thinking even in supermarkets when you've got the self-service checkouts there's always going to be a need for the guy who fixes them right so that's kind of us in a way right you, know, you always scan the us. badge Ask yeah. you your birthday so you can buy the app. Do you have that? We, like, how old are you? I mean, the automated ones. Do you have them? Yeah. The, the, you know, the self-service. Well, you even our, our self-service ones won't do alcohol, though, you know? Oh. So, like, it flags it, little yeah. light goes off, and then the person has to walk over and be like, what's your birthday? And you're like, blah, blah, blah. And like, okay. Or if you Always look needed. old, they just type in a number. They don't know <laughs> um, and then that's how you get your alcohol, you know? But, yeah. but I, no, I hear you. I, I think there's, the pattern matching is what – is what is the magic that I'm looking forward to seeing when there's gobs of data and you, you can't humanly sort through them all without your biases to, Oh yeah. Marketing. Oh yeah. Sales. It's like, Hmm, what are the patterns here? Letting, letting an AI figure that out would be fantastic. But then to your point, now we use the human strategies of you and me and okay, what, what's the best way to reach out? What's the best way to capitalize on this information now that we've had this pattern? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a really good point. Humanizing data. So mm. we may have got to the point where it's a, we get a little bit lost in records and you sort of see John Smith. You don't really think about John as John. Yeah. John is John Smith. And when you say it like that, it's kind of like, oh, he's just a record in the database. But, right. but if you start to humanize the people and imagine you're um, speaking to them as if they're in the room. And I'm going to confess something um, oh. about your email the other day about your webinar um, I almost oh. repl I almost replied to it 
because it was the it was reminding us about a webinar um asking for tips on the abm or something similar oh it was, was it the email like this month is email month is that the one it, yeah i think so and it was written so well that mm. I, I thought you were emailing me i was it, sort of no, you wasn't it had <laughs> it had unsubscribe at the top and i didn't notice it until the last minute when i was about to press send i was like this is amazing like the way you wrote it and in context because we had this this webinar meeting right um i thought you were emailing me and that that is exactly how companies yeah. should be doing it because it, it I almost felt, got you, but I didn't and you caught it. So I didn't get your reply. Oh man. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was probably in my drafts. I didn't right. send it. You <laughs> didn't send it. Totally. I, I told my friend Jake and uh, my colleague Jake and he, he said, uh, he said, yeah, that would have been embarrassing if you sent him that he would, he would have laughed. <laughs> well, yeah. actually I like it. And I reply back and I start a mm. whole email thread, you know, um, it's clever. That's how it should be. Yeah, it's that's... totally right. And, and I mean, sometimes people will say, well, I'll have the reply go to someone else or have their, it's like, no, like if it comes from me, I'll reply, you know, and if it comes from someone else, they reply. Um, I hate that. No reply stuff. Mm. Uh, oh, oh me bonkers. yeah. Yeah. My, my colleague, Hannah, she's amazing on email. She hates it when, uh, if you use no reply out or if you use a uh, marketing app, and, and rightly so, I think spam filters should get a bit more hot on that. It should come yeah. from a person. Yeah, you know, my favorite, you know, personalized, because we're talking about like sort of personalized email versus a, sort of a corporate one, right, is um, before Dreamforce every year. Unfortunately, we don't get that this time around. But before Dreamforce, I just kind of invite everybody to go drink a beer with me at Dreamforce, mm. you know. And that, um, that gets way more replies probably because of the uh, implied <laughs> beer and wine than just yeah. a, what do you think about email? <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah. Yeah, I just love getting, you know, hundreds of replies um, from people just engaging and saying, yeah, let's meet, let's get a beer, I'm not going to go or whatever, and just engaging. I think to your point about the humanizing, we forget that, you know, John Smith, whoever that person is, um, sometimes they're just a number, you don't even see their name. You're like, oh, there's a number on that. I was watching YouTube and I saw that there was like 500,000 views of something. I was like 500,001, right? But it's like, yeah. huh, I had that realization that I'm, with the 500,000, unless they cheated or something, is basically like my experience times a lot of people. Where it's just like an actual person sitting down going like, hmm. this looks interesting. Let me watch it. It's like, wow, if you really think about that, or listening to this podcast, people listen to this podcast, you're like not taking for granted. There's a, a number, oh, you know, only 14 people listen today or something. It's like, whoa, that's like 14 actual other humans just like <laughs> you and me who are like, yeah, let me check out this podcast today, you know, whatever the number is. Yeah. And, and as consultants, we know how important time is, you know, someone else's, yeah. you know, time is, is valuable. You know, it's what you sell when you go to work, you know, mm -hmm. you get a salary and you have an hourly rate and you're basically giving up a bit of your time in return for money. So right. time is important. Um, and yeah, it, it shouldn't be forgotten that, you know, even a single view on a video, that is one person viewing, yeah. viewing it. And <sighs> Back to my point on just because you can email your whole database, it doesn't mean you should. Right. This is where marketing automation comes in because you, you need to send the right message to the right people at the right time. And it, rather than emailing 2,000 people, why don't you just spend a bit more time focusing on 100 people? Your conversion rate will probably be a lot, well, it will be a lot higher um, because you're, you're sending the right content at the right time. Yeah. So it, it if you shift your efforts more into focusing on the, the good data that you've got, then uh, you, you've got more chance of, of doing well. Isn't that counterintuitive? Send it to is. less people and you'll get more 
Yeah, and it is, it is, but it's, it's, it's kind of the culture now. It's yeah. the, of instant gratification. You know, mm. a lot of marketers, you know, fair enough, they get a lot of pressure from senior management where this it's, it's get results, give me X amount of leads a month. But that, again, it's dehumanizing the whole process rather than saying, get me X amount of leads a month. When you say, All right, okay, what have you done this month? What have you done? What steps have you taken to improve tailoring our message and helping with the overall long-term brand yeah. um, image? Because long-term, yeah. it's going to be better. You send one email every two months, it could end up being better than two, two emails every month. Absolutely. I mean, and that kind of gets into the whole ABM thing. Have you, have you done a lot with that and Pardot and all the things yeah. together? A little bit. Yeah. Um, it's, it's all, it always creeps up, but there's not many clients that we work with who are ready for it yet, to be honest. Um, it, there's too many other things to focus on, but yeah, you know, if a new person it might be considered a new lead, if they're part of an account, that's already a customer, you need to recognize that straight mm-hmm. away. Don't, don't speak to them like, with an introduction to us. Okay, this is what we do. Hi, stranger. Yeah. Yeah. Another department works with you. I'm just here to to add on a service. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Totally. Like, and it shows that you you have your stuff together, right? Like, you got your shit together because the left hand knows what the right hand, that's the other metaphor Mm. is like, knowing what the other side of the body is doing. If you don't, then you just come across like a crazy person. Yeah, and it doesn't help the sales team. You know, right. We should be supporting. We're all one team. Right. Support your team and, you know, set it all up properly. Yeah. It's like oh, offense. I wish it was that simple. Defense, midfield. You, come on. You need everybody here. It's not like, you know, a bunch of defenders. Yeah. We're on our own team. What, what would happen if you, if you had like, you had a soccer football team and you just put a bunch of like one position on the team, you know? That's interesting. Yeah. Experiment. Yeah. That happens in friendlies. Everyone thinks they're Does a striker. It? Yeah. Oh, oh, everyone. oh everyone thinks, yeah, everyone thinks. <laughs> <laughs> no one passes. Right, right. No one passes. They, they all, they're all just trying to score. Yeah. No hanging back. I'm sure there are plenty of breakaways at that point then because no one's back there to do anything about it. Yeah. What was quite funny is I think it was about two years ago now. I remember someone, a potential, I thought it was a potential client, but they said to me, well, it's not marketing automation, is it? If I've got to set it up. <laughs> what do you mean <laughs> what yeah, do you mean <laughs> set yourself up yeah 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 i couldn't believe it, it well you know what you, sh- you could have done is um you could say okay well you, you see here that this um this black box and you hold up like a phone or something this black box will automatically set up your part out for you it just costs 10 10 grand you know so uh and we will hit a button but for you to use this magic box it's 10 grand. Like, yeah. oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Behind the scenes, yeah. like, okay, let's build this thing. <laughs> there'll be a vo- and there'll be a voice that sounds like mine on the other end. Yes. <laughs> and send it's the AI. It's not me. really me, but it's AI. And, yeah. and it, it, I will set it up for you. <laughs> Man. Well, dude, who are you, Tom? Like, yeah, you've got all this experience, all this knowledge. It's clear you help on the strategy as well as the tactics. You've got intimate knowledge with the tools. Like, where did, where did you come from, man? Take us back in time. Like little Tom, where'd you grow up? What was it like? Did you always want to be a marketer or how did that, wow. work? How'd that work? Yeah. So I'm from a place called Portsmouth. I know you've got one. We do. Uh, but it's the, it's the south coast of England. Um, grew up there. Um, nice place. It's an island. Not many people know that. Portsmouth um, is an island. I didn't know that. An, it's at the very bottom of England and there are two roads that connect it to mainland England. Um, 
Yeah, but it is it's called Port Sea Island, and that's where I'm from. Um, if you go any further south, you hit another island, and then you hit France. So no kidding. Very south, very south, southern. That's where I got this accent from. Oh, Port Sea Island. I see. <laughs> I just googled the, the map for the map. No yeah. kidding. Yeah. And it's, so you've got uh, like like two bridges in kind of thing, and that that's it. And... Yeah, and the traffic's terrible when you want to get out. But, oh, I uh, bet it is. Whenever <laughs> trying to get out at the, at the same time. That's that's where I'm from. Um, I do have memories as a kid where. Um, do you remember VTech? Yeah, like phones. V- they did phones or something. Yeah, they also do did a keyboard, and when it had batteries in, you could practice your typing. Oh. Mine didn't have batteries in, so mine was just not working, but. Essentially, I loved Goldeneye when I was, when I was growing up. Goldeneye. Remember the, the game? No, no, the film with Pierce Brosnan oh, the film. and okay. James Bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I thought Boris, you know, the computer guy, I thought he was really cool. So I used to play on the VTech and just tap on the buttons and pretend I was a hacker. Right. Um, so I'd play around doing that. And you know, right. not all the time, not, not enough to be weird, but I did Didn't it enough. did he in the movie like sit down and like you'd hear like the, the tapping? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Know, like and his password was... Code. His password was something chair, broken chair. Or it something. was something that you sit on, but you can't take with you. Yeah, chair. That was it. Chair. Um, so yeah, as a kid, and then I loved games. I used to love Command and Conquer, the games, nice. and loved them. And they were all strategic and used to build up the money and stuff. And then I sort of, growing up, I was good in school. Um, had loads of friends. Did well in science. You know, just kind of got through and, you know, did yeah. quite well. Didn't learn French. I should have. I messed about in that lesson. Um, <laughs> I regret it now. Did they like no language or? No, it was a language school and we had to pick a language. I did French. I used to mess about and try and be funny. And then uh, my French teacher said, one day you're going to wish that you learned in this lesson, wish you'd learned French. And I was like, everyone speaks English. I don't need French. And now I love French. I, I really yeah. want to learn French. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Desolé. Um, so. Man. Moving on, went to college and I was a bit obsessed with sort of human um, behavior kind of thing. So I did sociology, psychology, and critical thinking. Interesting. Um, which was a, quite a good mix in terms of sort of people. And then went on to uni and it kind of refined itself. So I had that kind of background with an interest of, in people and then moved into business enterprise systems, is what my degree was called. And there was a lot of systems architecture, did a lot of SAP. Um, as a core product focus, or it was SAP ERP systems, so enterprise resource planning systems. Mm. Did a dissertation or research project on that. Um, then did that IT company that I mentioned earlier as a right. first job, because a lot of sales jobs in Portsmouth. And then from there, I realised actually no, this is funny. So when I was at the uh, the IT company, there was this uh, girl there who for some reason we were quite competitive with each other. Interesting. Um, and then one day we both said, ah, oh, I'm sick of this job. I want to leave. And she said, yeah, I might just get a job in marketing or something. And I was like, no, I'm going to get a job in marketing. So, oh, right. <laughs> so that's what triggered it. And then I started looking at marketing. And I was thinking, actually, I could do this. And then I ended up getting a job at a, an award-winning marketing agency, um, focusing on lead gen. Wow. Learned a lot there. Um, you ever keep in touch with that person to see if like they actually got into marketing and no i know i know she got a marketing job uh, straight after that she, like join your company good. now <laughs> um I, I don't know i'm in liverpool now um but uh but yeah then then moved client side learned pardot but the funny thing there was it, the fintech space was kind of small so it was me and my boss who got on really well 
Yeah. Um, and we'd go around speaking to all these fintech companies and they kept asking us for help. So we'd be speaking to these, you know, other similar loan companies and they were like, you know, give us some tips and advice. We're using Pardot as well. Yeah. So then we sort of joked on the idea of, oh, we could set up our own agency. You know, we could just be, <laughs> this is the funny thing. We thought we were going to be Pardot experts for the fintech space. It's such a niche within a niche. Yeah. And then our company got bought and then they moved and we said, should we just do it? So we, so we did. So me and my boss set up a company called Macram. And then, uh, and then we were right, position ourselves as fintech for Pardot. And then we started getting some financial services interest. Yeah. And then we got, I think it was, who was it? Like a teaching and education company. And we're like, no, this is ruining our niche. Right. And right. then we realized Pardot was the niche. So we're like, oh, okay. So we, we did that for a while, lived in Bali for a bit, traveled around Europe, just lifestyle business kind of stuff. Yeah, working remote kind of thing and just, yeah, that's awesome. Oh, it was good. It was good. And then eventually went our own separate ways. He's doing well now. Um, where where in Europe did you go while you're doing this? Just everywhere? Oh, everywhere. Yeah, yeah. I don't wow. know. I don't know where I haven't been. Um, really? Most capitals in Europe, I'd say. Really? Do you have been to pretty much every European country? I think so. Uh, in central and yeah central and western europe I, i'd say okay. i'm not showing off i'm, I'm yeah i don't have been there okay here, here i just google <laughs> list okay you just tell me check like you like check okay austria no <laughs> belgium belgium probably oh i've been to belgium yeah, yeah bulgaria yes been there croatia no i haven't been there cyprus no czech republic Oh, this is embarrassing now. You're no, of course, man. <laughs> you, know you got some places oh. to go. You got some traveling oh, to do. I've Denmark? been to Romania and oh, I lived in Denmark. Oh, you live yeah. in the By the way, this is, don't be embarrassed because this is like a hundred countries more than oh. most people in the U.S. have ever been to. So oh, okay. I've only mentioned like eight. Um, Estonia? Oh, no. I haven't been there. Finland? Finland, no, but I wanted to. I, I, want, I lived in Denmark, went to Sweden, um, wanted to go to Norway as well. France? Good one. France, been there, Spain. Yeah. I love France. In, Germany. Portugal. Germany, yeah. Greece. Greece, yeah. Hungary. Uh, yeah, Hungary. Ireland. Yeah, been Ireland. Italy. <laughs> Italy, yeah. Been See, there. you're doing fine, man. Just a couple yeah, of I've done all right. That was a uh, bit of a shaky, shaky start. No, I haven't I been to Latvia, no. Lithuania? No, and that was one of my next places to go, Lithuania. Nice. Luxembourg. Yeah. No. Maybe? It's, it's right next to Belgium, I think. It's just like yeah. we're tucked they in. They do good chocolate. Yeah. Um, Malta? Mal yeah, a bit to Malta. Netherlands? You said you mentioned that one. Netherlands uh, is good, yeah. Poland? Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. I haven't. I haven't. Oh, Polish friends. That'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah hit up Poland. Um, Portugal? Live there, yeah. Right? Like, by the way, <laughs> the fact that you've lived all these places is just super badass. So. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Denmark was my favorite. Copenhagen is amazing. Really? Really, really nice. What about yeah. it? Oh, it's just everything. The culture, the people. It's not that busy. It's a beautiful yeah. place. Like, architecturally, it's amazing. Um, it's, it's just a phenomenal place. I love it. Wow. Yeah. Mm. Um, let's see. Uh, Romania. Yeah, Romania. Romania's good. Bucharest is, is good. Oh, okay. And it's got, it's got the second biggest spa in Europe. Really? No kidding. Second biggest spa. Spa. T-H-E-R-M-E. Terma oh, spa. It's good. And it costs twenty pounds to get in, and it is phenomenal. Like for all day or whatnot. Yeah, yeah, like for all day, all day. Yeah, sounds really worth good. it. 
Yeah. Um, I'd go back just for the spa. See, what I'm going to do is I'm just literally, before I go anywhere in Europe, one day when all this is done, all this COVID crazy, oh, yeah, uh, I'll just hit you up and be like, okay, I'm thinking this country. Yeah. I'll meet you there. Yet, and, <laughs> and what should I do? Mm. Uh, Slovakia? No. Slovenia? No. Spain, you said yes. Spain, yeah. Everyone's and Sweden. Spain. Yeah, Sweden. So that's probably like 80%. I mean, it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty good. good. Pretty good. But you should probably make it a mission to get all of them. So you can just be like, Little e, good little EU stamp somewhere. Well, there's those scratch maps. Oh yeah, you sort of yeah, scratch yeah. off where you've been. I might, yeah, I might get one of them. You I'm, should. I'm not. I'm not trying to show off. So just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> guess where I've been. <laughs> the new term is like flex. You know, I'm just flexing yeah. a little bit. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, where where would you go that you haven't been? Like, what what's high on your list? Even like outside of Europe. Yeah, I think Tokyo, just because culturally it's quite different. Yeah. Um, so you haven't I been to Tokyo think. yet. Never been, no. Oh, dude, it's awesome over there. Really? Sure. Yeah. Been. Yeah. It, but you know what's crazy? The, um, the subway, the, uh, mm. the, the tube, uh, the stops, they don't have transliterated names in like how they sound. They just have the kanji. So uh, I remember being in the subway being like, what stop are we at? You have no idea because it's like, oh, Kawabashi station or something. And you're like looking for you don't know you can't read what station you're at now so to know if how many stations do you need to go so the hotel will give you a map with it with it like sort of sounded out underneath the oh. like this is kawabashi station and like each one though has their own theme song so every time you pull in it's like dee, 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 dee. you're like oh, okay that's this station wow yeah. it's clever it's wild man it's a wild time kind of expensive but i think it's it's yeah. worth a trip for sure yeah, that sounds amazing. You, for some reason, that jogged my memory. I wanted to ask you about um, about you. What your yeah you used to be in the, the Marines or yeah, the Army Marine Corps for the US. So how, yeah. how did how did you go from Marine Corps to marketing automation expert? Right. <laughs> how does that work? <laughs> um, well, you know, like uh, after I got, I did a deployment to Iraq, and then after I got back, I was uh, kind of like what you even talked about today. I I was like, okay. I'm just going to like take a vacation here. And I remember just going over to a friend's uh, um, apartment in Boston and he, he was from London actually. And uh, shout out to Mo. And so I hang out in his apartment, he'd go to work and I would play video games all day and, and then drink with him at night. It was just like sort of partying just sort of like, I don't know, get back to normal or something. And then I, I started applying for some jobs. I got this job as a trainer where I was traveling all over the world um, training people how to use lasers, which was really cool. Um, wow. and it, the training though was only maybe um, five hours, five, maybe four or five hour training. And so my company would fly me to a location, sometimes exotic, sometimes New Jersey, sorry, Jersey, but like <laughs> sometimes it would be like Hawaii um, or the, the Virgin Islands or something like that, or Tokyo or Singapore one time, wow. like, London a couple of times actually. Um, and I would do this training and then I'm like free to explore the rest of whatever, almost like when you were doing your, your virtual work down in mm. Europe. And so I had a lot of downtime, right? I had time to explore, but I also a lot of time on airplanes where you're just like doing nothing. And so, and I didn't have to do anything else for that company other than just train people. And so I started taking on marketing projects, like using those freelance sites and just kind of taking that stuff on because I, I'd always dabbled with HTML and I, I liked that kind of stuff. Um, people would ask for like the simplest things and I would just sort of make it happen. And 
but eventually I got like a, an actual marketing gig, actual marketing job and just started sort of climbing through the ranks. It really appealed to me. Um, you can probably relate to this. It was like, it was technical, but it was also people, you know? Mm. And so you got to be a little analytical, but you also got to be a little creative and you know, empathetic in terms of like, what are they feeling and thinking? And then you're like, okay, let's analyze. Did, was I correct? <laughs> you know, I like the balance of that. And so that just, yeah, it just kept going. And, and eventually, you know, bumping into Pardot was like life-changing for me where I was like, mm. oh, because prior to that, I was trying to hack Google Analytics to, to make it say anything, you know, which it, what's funny is Google doesn't want you to be able to know specifically who did this action. They don't want you yeah. to be able to track people for like privacy. Um, of course, they track us all and they know everything about us. But anyways, um, they, didn't, they don't want you to do it. So it was really funky to try to, you know, if you're in a B2B world, make Google do anything other than tell you 30% did this, you know? And so to see Pardot and to have that tracking and automation, it was just like, what? And so I just really fell in love with it and would just talk about it all the time. And that's kind of how, you know, how I, I came about this is just, I just love it, you know, to this day. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. The whole yeah. um, freelance site as well. Yeah. I think yeah. we, we definitely used that in the beginning. Right. Um, it just helps you cut your teeth and just try silly stuff. And you do all sorts of weird things. Like I made postcards that had magnets on them, you know? <laughs> Nice. All sorts of weird things. You just kind of take any project you can get. But I found out, and you may have experienced this, you know, as an entrepreneur, um, you have to, you sell the thing on Guru. It's kind of fun. You're like trying to convince them why you're the one to go with, you know, all the other contractors bidding and then saying what they can do. And you're like, go with me. And then you're like, here's my price and try to make it competitive. And then they pick you and you're like, you're like, oh, now we actually got to do the work, you know? So it's like a double job to sell it and then do it. And it was like, man, um, at least for those projects, I'd rather just sell it. Um, and the part of project, I enjoyed doing it. But it was like, it's tough when you're creating your own company. Yeah. And I got a little bit addicted to um, applying for new, new work. Yeah. Um, purely because I, I did so much research and I knew part of inside and out. So I, f I felt like, not that I deserved the work, but I didn't want anyone else to get it wrong. So I'd apply for everything totally. and I'd, I'd message in such a way that I'd be like, look, if you don't work with me, you're not going to get the best. Oh, I, you, went, I you, went, you went hard on them. You not hard. It wasn't hard in the hard. paint, they call it in basketball. It was like quiet, like calm, but confident. It was like, look, I know this inside out. You can choose to work with me. I'm not that expensive. It's a no brainer. Um, right. And I, I won a lot of work in the beginning just with that approach, just because I was so confident at like, I know this. Yeah. Um, but, but then quickly it was just me. I'd be working like 12 hour days. Constantly. Tell me about it, yeah. I'd enjoy it. I'd enjoy it. You were it, good but... at getting you that worked, right? You hmm. people want that confidence. They don't want, well, I think I could probably pull this thing off. Like, you know, give me some money and I'll, I'll try. You're hmm. like, I can help you. And they're like, take my money. And now you got all this money, but now you got all this to do, to do's and work. And yeah. And yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's the right way to be. I think, you know, I yeah. didn't try and go cross platform. I didn't want to try and learn HubSpot or Marketo. It was, I wanted to be an absolute expert in this one thing, which I know is valuable to X amount of businesses. So I'm going to be amazing at this. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't want to sort of spread myself too thin on, on other platforms. I, th I think I've made a good decision really. Yeah. Um, it's worked out quite well so far. Yeah, no, it seems like it. I mean, you guys are kicking some serious ass over there. Trying to. Don't come, don't come to America. We're going to have to throw down. 
<laughs> no, 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 we won't. We won't. So, I'm just teasing, man. Yeah. Um, I, I think I even I I tried to uh, to go to the UK at one point. Had like CheshireImpact.co.uk or something like that. Oh, nice. It's just tough, you know. It's tough. There's different countries. It's it's taught different language. It's the same language, but it's different, you know, in cultures. Culturally, laws. Yeah, you really got to yeah. commit, you know, mm. for sure. So I'd much rather have a partner like you over there than uh, try to try to figure things out for sure. Yeah, let's team up. I got, a, I got a hypothetical question for you. Okay. Uh, I might have a time machine over here in New Hampshire, not to be confused with the old Hampshire and the old oh, Portsmouth. My Hampshire. <laughs> Your Hampshire. <laughs> so in my New Hampshire, um, I may have a time machine in my backyard covered with a tarp. And uh, it, let's say COVID's all done. You come b- borrow my time machine, right? Um, it's kind of funky, though. It only goes back in time to a certain point. Uh, really, it goes back to right about where you graduated from university. Um, you're starting your career. And so you can go back in time and talk to yourself. What kind of advice would you give yourself? What kind of pointers or recommendations would you tell yourself? Um, I'll probably tell myself to just focus on absorbing more from more people. So rather than just picking your, you know, key sort of mentors, if you like, try and learn from, from everybody. Because I learned that kind of a little bit later, um, sort of after uni. And well, no, yeah after uni, after like one or two jobs, it's kind yeah. of like, right, everyone's valuable. Everyone knows something, get something from everyone. Um, whereas originally I didn't really know what I was going to do. That's why I took the sales job. So, um, you know, it, it worked for what I did, but mm-hmm. I think that would be a key tip. Learn from everybody. Everyone's got tips, try and sort of weed through all of the bad information that they're going to give you and just contextually make it accurate for you. Um, so that would be the first one. And then the second one would be, would have been to, you know, get a few more certifications in like project management and just be a bit more confident on that front. Because to begin with, I wasn't that, wasn't that confident at managing projects. It's kind of something that I've picked up um, along the way. I like to think I'm pretty good now, but I can always improve. You know, it's a great point around the project management. If that's your, if that's your game, like if you, if you can, cause like, I'm not so good at managing projects, but I've got people on my team who are like, fantastic at it so it's like you know knowing your strengths but but even being dangerous enough to know especially when you're a single you know you're you're like a single preneur right when it's just you crushing it trying to earn your stripes like to know what is the best efficient way to manage these projects i'm I'm sure you were kind of coming up with it on your own having a and that's what i had to do i sort of like figure it out you know but it would have been cool to learn some of that yeah honestly you should have seen some of our early proposals they were horrible horrible i think some of them were on excel spreadsheets this wow. is the cost this is the hours but people people like genuinely accepted that right if it, if it was me now looking at that i would have gone right have another go and <laughs> and firstly add in 10 times more information right don't put it in an excel format and, and put, present it nicely um it got us it got me so far now it's all presented nice and i've I've learned from it but some of the stuff was executed poorly um the work was good the part of work was was nailed down that was great but it was all the businessy stuff the business proposals and you know that kind of stuff and project management's a skill you know that's it's a really Really tricky really tricky thing yeah it's funny you mentioned the excel uh proposals (sighs) some of my early ones were powerpoint proposals Oh, no so one like, reads them. That's the worst thing. It's like you go to the one slide with the pricing. Okay, how much does it cost? And right. It's, it's so hard. Right. To, but yeah. like my last slide, the, 
all I had for legalese was like, this agreement is signed on this day and all the above slides, all the above stuff, <laughs> signature line, signature line. Like nowadays you get the attorneys in there and they're, you know, three pages of MSAs and all sorts of, you know, stuff. So you don't get sued into oblivion and <laughs> those kind of things. But back then it was just like all that stuff. Yeah. Let's just agree that I'm going to do that. And you're going to give me money. Is that cool? You know, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, okay. that's all it is really, but yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's funny how it evolves into something that you never thought it would evolve into. Right. Right. And I always tried to keep it simple, simple language, but then lawyers always like fight that and they make it really complicated and, like nobody can read this, but you're really safe. Oh man, it's tough. It's so tough. But I re that's really solid advice on terms of uh, absorbing more from people. Um, yeah, and I then, mean it's it's yeah. something you can apply to everything. Like you know, right. even if you even if you're dating, that's a key yeah. one. You know, if you if you're dating, if you're going to go on a date, even if you know it's going to go horribly wrong, just learn something from that person. You're going to be better off either way. Sure. You know? It's it's every situation you can learn something from someone as long as you ask the right questions and you're prepared to listen right i used to you know like pod, by the way podcasts are great for that what have you thought of doing one not yet i mean i don't have time at the moment but right uh, one day maybe one, one day, day. Just keep coming back on this one and it'll be like oh, you can <laughs> go and invite back this one right? well then <laughs> yeah 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 exactly you get to come back for sure Good. um but you, know, you the reason you, you brought that up is i used to yeah, you probably do this with clients too, where you think like you get a big logo in or um, you're interviewing someone with a big logo and you're like, whoa, this is going to be the most exciting. But sometimes it, those clients aren't the most exciting, right? Sometimes it's that small company. No one even knows their name, whatever industry, manufacturing, some kind of random thing. And you're like, that was an amazing project. We actually got a ton done. It was mm -hmm. exciting. We were cutting edge and it wasn't some big you know, the ones you put on the slides, the, one, the ones that, oh, look at, look at what we did. You know, it wasn't those. It was these smaller, nimbler companies that were kind of just trying stuff out and hustling around. Yeah, I, I love them. The, the sort of medium-sized companies because it's more exciting. Yeah. It's more of an SME sort of startup feel. Yeah. All, of the, all of the staff are always excited and on board of where their company is going to go. Right. I think that you, know, you have to have those big logos because it's like, this is... This is how far our business goes. <laughs> yeah. We still focus on other medium stuff, but these are the ones right. we're going to show off and say, look, we're capable of getting X, Y, Z clients. Right. So then the medium ones think, oh my God, if you work with them, you can work with us. Right. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy those, those clients the most. You know, and for, so for the podcast, the same kind of thing happens for speakers. Like you never know who you're going to talk to, you know, whether it's a famous author or, you know, CMO, one of those larger logos. And sometimes it is just, amazing like i talked to a professor from wharton and you hear wharton's pretty cool school yeah peter fader is the man and he just like my brain was on smoke for an hour and a half and it was just it was amazing but but sometimes it's that that person no one has met yet who just blows your mind um talk to another guy um actually around you i don't know somewhere in in, in, in the uk uh femi i gotta introduce you to him he, it's all about combining agile and marketing but he actually knows marketing he's a marketer He's like so many agile practitioners are like, you know, IT practitioners. They don't actually know marketing. And he's like, that's a mistake. And he, he wrote the book on it, but he's, he's over in your, your, um, in your area. And it's just like, wow, this guy's amazing. And so you never know, to your point, like I've been reminded over and over again, you never know who you're going to learn something from. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's important. It's, yeah. uh, remind me to, uh, to, to meet him or speak to him. Yeah, I, I will. Sounds I'll cool. speak to him after the, afterward. Yeah. After the show, I made a note of that here.
Crazy, man. So, are you keeping busy right now, even during COVID? Oh, yeah. So, as you can tell, we're probably we're back in the office. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, social distancing. In the UK, it's weirdly, it feels relatively back to normal-ish, at least from what I can remember. I've kind of forgotten what pre-COVID life was. So, like, people wearing masks outside and stuff, or no? Yeah, it, feel, yeah, it feels like it's, you know, very responsible. I'm in okay. Liverpool, and, you know, people in the north are very friendly and laid back so it's, it's not so more so than the south is that this is where i learned the ins, ins and outs yeah. of uh, england yeah, I'd, I'd say so there's, there's a common thing the north are very friendly and laid back the south southerners are sort of cold and stern um, yeah, it's it's kind of the opposite over here in the u.s <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah the the north are, it's kind of cold and everyone's a little bitter from the cold harsh winters but then you go south and Everyone's like, yeehaw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's a bit like that. But, you know, it's, it's, it's not too bad. It's not too yeah. bad. I mean, I think the first couple of weeks I freaked out. You know, I was used to working from me home too. and you yeah. know, doing stuff. But I, I, I don't know. It, re- it really got to me. I was struggling a bit the first couple of weeks. And then it's normality. You get, get running. You focus on exercise and yeah. cooking. You realize you don't need to go to town. And then, Right, right. You know, for sure. I, I had the same thing, man. I, I like traveling and meeting people and connecting and definitely had like a two or three month like period of mourning where I'm just like, no, that yeah. who's like, ah, you know, like <laughs> that was me for a couple of months, but then you're right. And eventually you kind of come out the other end of the tunnel. You're like, okay, well, what do we got here? How do I make it better? Have you got back into running and all that? Yeah. Yeah. I run in the mornings now. I get up at half six. Go How far run. do you go? Um, at the moment in the mornings, because it's half six, I only do three K. Um, but I've been doing sort of 10, 11 Ks every now and then. Are you guys on the metric system in, in the UK? Um, it's just what Garmin say. So I just oh, just like whatever Garmin, Garmin tells you? <laughs> yeah. Funny. So I think your metric system's coming over soon. Because so. <laughs> I was going to say, like, we're holding fast with you guys on the yeah. whatever the imperial system is. But yeah. if, you, if you guys convert to metric, then uh, I think it's game over. Yeah. I mean, I think miles are gone. Except are for they? cars. You know. No, they're not. Yeah. I don't know. So, so three kilometers. That's cool. Just get a nice little morning jog in there. Just to wake up, come home, pick my dog up, bring the dog yeah. to the office. Don't then, you feel like way more accomplished in the day though when you start out that way? You know. Yeah, I used to, well, I used to be a bit sick of you know all those inspirational quotes, and it's like <laughs> right, get up, run, make a coffee, fight the day, and it's, right. it's very, very. Um, well, I'm not into that, but there's something in it because I actually enjoy it now. Yeah. Yeah. Did you do the same or do you? Um, yeah. Yeah. And I used to actually, there was a gym down the street where I would do um, like cycling. I would do uh, like, like sort of uh, almost like a CrossFit, the hit exercises, you know, like weight mm. interval training and then actually blended in with some yoga as well, just to get some stretching Ooh. in there. Like every day, like two classes just to like hit them. So I'm kind of still sad that I can't do that just yet over here. But, um, uh, but yeah, I've taken up to like hiking now, getting a bunch of hikes Ooh, in. Nice. Too. I don't have the daily thing going on yet, but I'll probably need to get into that. Yeah. So how, how is it by you at the moment then in terms of COVID? Is it busy or yeah, you yeah, say it's hiking? Interesting. Yeah, like the country is just different, right? There's like states and, and kind of the way they designed it. States are all different, like different children in a family, you know, cousins and aunts and uncles. Um, so New Hampshire is actually doing really well, um, probably because we don't um, – have too many people you know don't have any too many people up here also apparently we 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 sell the most alcohol per capita that's why you're happy in the country <laughs> i think it's because massachusetts comes up here because it's like tax-free but either way um yeah we're, we're good we just sort of self-isolate and drown ourselves in alcohol and we've been pretty good over here 
sensible move. Yeah, you go out to the woods, you know, it's, it's like safe and sunny and, and you can go do those kind of things. So, yeah. yeah. Interesting fact for you. Apparently, I mean, this is an anecdote. This is what someone told me. Um, there was a study by a climbing, funded by a climbing association. And apparently chalk kills 99% of coronavirus upon impact, upon, upon touching it. Really? Which means, which may, all the climbing centers are now open. So I've been going climbing as well. No you know, way. Put, chalk, put chalk in your hands. You've got no coronavirus there because it's dead from the, from the chalk. You can uh, go ahead and climb. <laughs> no way. Who'd have thought that? Chalk. Who would have thought that? Indeed. Yeah. You, know, you know what, though? It's a good thing this isn't like the Joe Rogan podcast because literally <laughs> millions of people would go buy chalk. Yeah. yeah. And then well, there'd be like a run on chalk, you know? I stupidly said this out loud before Googling it. So you know, I'll, I'll check out. COVID. I'm Googling it right now. 80% alcohol liquid um, chalk kills. Hmm. Chalk significantly produced. Yeah. Oh, liquid chalk too. I don't know about liquid chalk. Liquid chalk. Yeah. Do you use that when climbing? I use the normal uh, climbing chalk. chalk, but Like the the bag with a thing in it? Yeah, a little sponge. Yeah, yeah. Totally. That's that's sick. Do you you climb a lot? Uh, I try to. It's quite exhausting. Only like two or three times a week. Right. Uh, Three times is pushing my luck. But... uh, uh, have you ever done any good. kind of adventure or any kind of climb? I climbed of... outside for the first time last month. Oh, no kidding. It was, it's a different kind of fear involved, but it's actually so good. Such yeah. a sense of achievement, even if it's a small wall or like rock wall. Very, very, very um, rewarding, I think. What was different for you between the two? Um, I think it was just the danger element of it. You're not strapped in still. <laughs> Not gonna f- you, can, you can fall on a mat still. You can still place that there, but it's kind of very real. You, Wait, you didn't have a rope with you? No, 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 no. It's only like short walls. It's oh, you're like out. bouldering kind of thing? or Bouldering, that's it. Sorry. Yeah. yeah it's, um, yeah. Should have clarified right. that. that. They're not big walls. Yeah, it's not like the Netflix one. Eight feet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not like the Netflix. Um, oh, my God. That makes my palms sweat. The Alex the, uh, Honnold guy? Oh, yeah. Free climb El Cap? Yeah, that is it's too much. <laughs> Yeah, it, and and like knock it. I, you know, we get sweaty palms right now just doing a podcast. What does he do? Chalk, I guess. <laughs> Chalk. Yeah, no virus on his hands. Yeah, no virus. Exactly. He's safe. <laughs> just keep so climbing, safe. Alex. Yeah. Oh man, that's so crazy. Crazy though. Would you ever do any kind of big adventure? Would you do like a try to do like a long lead climb or one where you rope yourself um, in? I definitely would. I mean, once all this is over, you know the you know, running your own company and stuff is quite time consuming. There was something I did about, um, what year are we on? 2020, six years ago, um, where I cycled Northern Italy. Oh, wow. Um, that was really cool. We did two weeks, flew to Milan, didn't have any plans. We didn't book any accommodation. We just had us, our bikes and our panniers. And we just cycled to uh, Lake Garda um, all around, went to Venice for like 15 euros, which was really cool. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it was really cool. I want to do that again. Wow. Yeah, biking around would be sick. Yeah, it's, it's good. It's good. You just feel like so free. You, you don't know where you're going to sleep tonight. One of the nights we slept in, I think it was Bergamo, and it was underneath this grapevine vineyard kind of thing. And you wake up and it just smells of grapes. And it was the <laughs> nicest, nicest awakening I've ever had. Just to wake up to grapes. And Were you spiders. in beds or you just sleeping on the ground under grapes? Oh, we had tents. We just camped. Oh, you had, you had tents. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so you had tents. So you weren't even paying for like little hostels. Or <sighs> you just, just pay for a little spot and then you just put your tent up. Wow. 
Yeah, it's cool. That must have been the most affordable way to do Italy, too. Yeah, I mean, it was. It didn't cost much. Would you stop in for good food, or were you cooking that yourself too? No, we we got food in places. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I would say. Don't yeah. miss out on that. You should do the same thing in like France. Yeah, I mean, we we do want to plan another one: France, uh, Spain. Mm-hmm. So many places. What about mountains? I think we cycled up what we thought was a mountain. It's probably a big hill. It felt <laughs> like a mountain. It, oh, that was. Those are that's tough. Tough on wheels yeah. too, for yeah, sure. Have you, d- have you done any mountains? No, with cycling, but I'm I'm kind of on this mountain kick where right now I'm actually supposed to be in Tanzania. Um, oh. My flight was booked and everything. I fly back. I fly back Sunday. Yeah, um, it's still in the calendar. Just kind of like it's sad. I haven't deleted it because I just I don't know. It's sad and I like looking at it. But um, next year, I'm gonna go climb Kilimanjaro. So if you're interested, wow, yeah, that would be an achievement. Have you ever heard of Wim Hof? Yeah. Yeah, I love him. So, yeah. I'd have you done his do... thing? Have you gone his course or done his method? Or... Uh, yes. Yeah, so one of his trainers, when I lived in Bali, they, he did some tra- – funny enough, he was from Portsmouth. Um, he, <laughs> he did the breathing exercise with us and taught us how to do it. So wow. I do the breathing, do the cold showers. But um, I'd love – Do you do cold showers every day? Every day, yeah. Warrior. Dude, you're a beast. Yeah. Nah, it's just it's easy. So, don't you have sometimes where you're just like, man, I just want to be warm today. No. <laughs> no? Not, any, not anymore. Not anymore. Not anymore. No. Wow. It just sort of leaves you. A warm shower is just, I don't know, it's a bit weird for me now. Really? Yeah. See, this is where we, we get into the real you, you know. <laughs> Hour and change in is like, okay, so cold showers, and then you're doing the Wim Hof all the time. Yeah. So when we climb Kilimanjaro, you don't need a shirt is what you're saying. I'm basically going to go up in my boxers. Exactly. Exactly. Maybe <laughs> I say this now. I, I said I've been to every capital in Europe, but then we'll get there. And you'll be like, "Okay, Tom, you're a liar." <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. true. I've been to every capital. How about this yeah. one? <laughs> when, I, when my family visited me in, in Denmark, they said, "Okay, we'll get going to get a small hotel room. Um, you can stay with us." Okay. And I said, "Yeah, I said, yeah, I, I can sleep anywhere. I'll fall asleep anywhere. I don't mind." And they said, "Okay." So I ended up sleeping on the floor at the end of the bed. And it was so bad. I was like, okay, I'm going home. So I ended up cycling home. So then I, they, they still hold it against me now. So you said you could sleep anywhere. You cycled home. <laughs> well, is it like a hotel floor? It was a hotel floor and it was cold. I was like, come on. You pushed. When I said anywhere, I meant most reasonable places a to sleep. sofa or a couch or something. Yeah, that's what yeah. I meant. Why didn't you read my mind? Jeez. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't just hop in with everybody else. Like, all right, let's do this. No, it's, yeah. Man. Craziness. Well, hey, where can people connect with you? How do they, how do they connect with you? How do they find out more about your company? Best thing Blogs. to do is, is LinkedIn. Um, okay. Find me on LinkedIn, Tom Ryan, or Tom Ryan Pardot, uh, or the website. So marklowconsulting.com. Um, we've got a blog. We have a lot of what I think is good content. We get good nice. feedback from it. Um, yeah, definitely sign up to the newsletter. It's uh, okay. lots of part, well, part of specific content, although we do a tiny bit of Salesforce as well, um, just strategy and how to, how to use part of. Right, right. Oh, no, strategy is so, so critical, man. That's fantastic. Well, sweet, dude. I mean, thanks for hanging out with me. This was great. We just kind of hang out, talk shop for a little bit, talk about freezing your butt off. And I'll, <laughs> I'll text you next time I do a cold shower. Yes. Let me know how it goes. Wait up. (laughs) Give the breathing a go as well. 
Yeah, get, uh, do you do that before you hop in? Yeah, how do you, how do, you no, do that? No, yeah. I mean, you, you, do, you take a couple of deep breaths and then your body, eventually your body just adapts to it. So okay. it's really strange how it works. The first time you'll get the cold shock. You, the, yeah. next time you, the next day you do it, it will be a lot softer. And then eventually you, you'll just be normal. So any tips for doing it or you just got to brave the first one and then brave it again? Um, then... Tips for doing it. Focus on your breathing. Mm. Try, and, try and relax. Um, <laughs> it's, just, it's just cold. It's not going to hurt you. I mean, you're, you're used to be in the Marine Corps. I know, so I know. Be fine. I'm acting you'll like be a baby, fine. right? <laughs> you'll you'll be on. fine. Yeah, yeah, I can do it. Yeah. It's true. I'm getting soft. I need, to, I need to get back to my Marine Corps days. <laughs> but now with your tips, now with your takeaways, I will, I will become super. You will be fine. Yeah. Just do an ice bath. Go all in. Oh, yeah. Ice bath is even worse. Yeah. Just sitting in there, feeling the all, all the feelings. Don't even put water in it. Just wait for the ice cubes to melt a little bit and then get in. <laughs> <laughs> or, or put salt in it so it, it's just, it's over frozen. It's like colder than frozen. And yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> now, now we're there. We're just drop some kind of cold machine in there that just keeps it, keeps it cold. Let me know how that goes. I will. I mean, <laughs> if you read obituary about Casey dying of hypothermia, and you're like, oh when gosh. I meant it won't hurt you. I didn't mean sub-zero liquid nitrogen, Casey. Wait, Come on, that- man. Tom's making stuff up again. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. We're making it up. Um, well, hey, for those people listening, if you learned something, and I know you did because I have two pages of notes over here, front and back, front and back, lots of stuff going on, then um, share this with someone. Be a thought leader. That's how you do it. It's as simple as that. You share it with someone, but you put your thoughts on it, your love, your, it, the idea of the tail wagging the dog. What are your takeaways? When you share your takeaways, LinkedIn's a great platform for that. You become thought leader. Eight people, 48 people, 9,008. Like however many people you're connected to on LinkedIn, put that stuff out there. Tag Tom, tag myself. We'll comment back and it'll be a blast. So, dude, thanks again for coming on here. Tom, you're the best. You're a beast. One thanks day, one day. You, Nicole Jacks. <laughs> Let me know how it goes. I will. <laughs> awesome. And for those listening, this has been the Hardcore Marketing Show. We will catch you all next time. 